And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Enough of that August stuff. Welcome to September, Gary. How are you? See you. In September. I, I was chuckling yesterday. <laughs> People going back and forth uh, about the blue moon. Yeah. Well, it's not blue. It's, like, well, it's not what it means. It's not what it means. It's just, it just like was so, and everybody was ignorant on it. Everyone. Yeah. Well, they said it was, well, it's supposed to be blue, but no. at, at, at some angles, it's not blue. And then it could have a bluish hue. No. <laughs> Just no. Maybe a, rosy, maybe a rosy glow. Something wrong with your eyes or your camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. I'm, I'm laughing. I'm like, nah, I'm not even going to get, I'm not getting involved in it. I was enjoying too much. Ignorance going up against ignorance. <laughs> I, I took some uh, pretty cool pictures of it. You know, full moon's always fun to take a picture of i'm trying to figure out my camera on my new phone and it's working pretty well actually i've, I've read yeah. a bunch of stuff on it it's uh two full moons in a month in a month right? and this is this isn't gonna i love the part and you won't see this again until 2033 i don't care i i don't well, care well i'll be able to see it in my electric car no you won't because there won't be any, any electric cars you'll be walking <laughs> now you will be able to see it well, but you won't be in any vehicle because they'll be banned because everything will be banned. Well, no, you're you're completely wrong. You know why? Because mm. at that time they will have perfected solar panels where they can pick up the reflection off the moon and power the world at night. No, nope. that'll just make the <laughs> that'll just make the tides rise, and then we'll all be underwater. And then they'll go. See, we told you. No, no, no. If they're going to ban ceiling fans. They're going to ban cars, so nobody gets to go anywhere. (laughs) The Biden administration announced a ban on everything. You know, if you're, uh, uh, quite frankly, if you're pretty certain you're not going to be around in 2050, and I think we can all do the math if I were 
Biden's age, it would be very clear that I wouldn't be around in the year 2050. Just come out with a ban on everything on your way out the door. Oh, by the way, a ban on everything by the year 2050. I actually saw this on social media yesterday. Just shook my head. It's like, no, I'm not going to comment on that one either. Just enjoying it. But it was talking about the fact that uh, even though it's only been in the 90s this week, uh, we've had ERCOT, which is the, you know, the grid, mm-hmm. the the grid here in Texas. The, the, uh, the Energy the, Reliance Council of Texas is the acronym, right, I think. In, uh, saying, you know, cut back, cut back, cut back, cut back. And I love the I love the ignorant people out there that are so boastful. We need, what we need to do is the problem is we need all these companies need to shut down all these massive servers that are in huge buildings. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, shut down the world. Yeah, shut down the world. That's that's it. Yeah, kind of more. Sorry, but what kind of moron are you? Yeah, <laughs> shut down the computers. How are you going to get your message out? Pony Express. <laughs> I don't know. What are you going to? How are you going to tell people to cut their electricity uh, if you don't have the servers running? It's. It, I tell you this with the well. I'll say the last week of August was the last week of idiots. Maybe it will change now that we've entered September, you think? Well, it reminds no. no. <laughs> reminds me, you know, every once in a while back in the day, you would get the, this man can power his television for one hour by getting on his stationary bike. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. We'll just quit television. We'll stop everything. If we have to get... On anything that requires us to exercise, then we're willing to lay down and give everything Um, away. The the liberal discussion back then. Do you know how healthy of a nation we would be if everybody rode bicycles to charge their batteries? Yeah. Which would then charge their, you know, which would uh, then, you know, charge their batteries, then, you know, run their their, their homes. Yeah. We'd all be in such great shape. Have the children do it. The children would be in great shape because everybody is riding bicycles Mm -hmm. 36 hours a day. That's right. Exactly. I think I'll get it. Think I'll get an email. You idiot! There's only 24. That was the point. You'd have to no, ride the 36 the, hours. In no, order to- <laughs> that's what the government wants. The same people that did the food pyramid are telling you it's only 24 hours. We'll just start that one. <laughs> it's not just 24 hours. You've been buying into the lie all of your life, right? It can't be 24 hours because the world is flat. Exactly. <laughs> we don't We don't revolve around the sun. It's Mars. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do anything serious today. I mean, we're on vacation next week. <laughs> yeah. It's like. We're just going to. Well, because. Whatever if, pops if, into if our mind. everybody else can be stupid, then why not why us? Why can't we? You know, it's. Uh, it really is. It just everything. It's like, you know, we're really we're just giving up. You know where it started? We took all the peanut butter out of the jar and we put chocolate in it. Here, we'll just spread pure chocolate on the toast. That's where we just gave up. We just what's that you know, stuff called? I've never had it. Nutella. OK, yeah, it's uh, it's delicious. Is it really? Yeah, it's okay. it's really great. My grandson loves it my other grandkids loved it for a while and they i don't know if they got their fill of it but they you know uh they've moved on i think to peanut butter 
And it's like peanut butter. Uh, stand-up comedian Greg Warren and his latest special made the same observation that I've made. I think a lot, a lot of people have made. And it's chunky peanut butter I used to have a problem with. It's like finish the job. <laughs> it's like they, you know, what is this? Quiet quitting while you're making <laughs> peanut butter? Nah, but the chunky always tore the bread apart. Uh, it's 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 not peanut butter. It's only half done. <laughs> Stop this madness. If I ever have it, I like the smooth. Yes, it has to be smooth. It has to be smooth. Yes. All right, that'll be our discussion for the entire show. Smooth, smooth or chunky. Or chunky. We'll do like C-SPAN. Okay, for all of our smooth voters, it will be 86690 red And for all of our chunky voters, we're not giving you a phone line because you're wrong. And for the, I don't know, that that's, will be your phone line. Well, that's what I would do if I was going to, you know, start a, a uh, like a C-SPAN 4 or whatever number they're up to. Okay. All right. Republicans, call this number. And Democrats, we're not going to give you a number to call because you're wrong. You're wrong about everything. You're ruining the world. Yeah, um, it's it's been just absolutely insane uh, watching things, uh, you know, kind of play out here. I had somebody ask me during the day yesterday, so do you think Trump is guilty? And it wasn't even about that particular conversation. It was about how many people are really paying attention. How many people understand what's going on or just see the headlines and it goes by so fast? The evening news, you know, they'll spend uh, their entire half hour, if it's anything bad on Trump, if anything comes out, you know, that's that's uh, that's going to show him in a good light. Obviously, it's not going to play out in any media. So you follow the headlines, you follow the very short stories. And if you're not curious enough to follow it up, some people are. Or you're too busy. I know one person right now that's that's working and it's been about 14 hour days for about six or seven weeks. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's a, that's a lot of work. And, and you're probably not reading any headlines. You're not taking in anything. So it would be interesting to see, like, line up the timeline uh, and the series of events that went down with all this, with anything else, and, and, and correlate it to anybody else's or any person's life. And what they're what they've got going on. If you're working 14 hours a day, you probably have no clue as to what's mm-hmm. going on, unless your work allows you to listen to things and you can you can get caught up. Well, you the, know, in that way, the the, uh, the minutia I don't think the public knows a lot about, but the overall it seems like they do based on all the polls coming out so far. If you look, for example, the poll we brought to you yesterday that. Mm-hmm the majority of Americans believe that Biden is somehow involved mm-hmm. in, you know, going after Trump, the indictments of, of, of Trump, which means, you know, you have a significant number of people at least paying attention to 
something that is get, sending them in the right direction. Now, the minutia, as you just said there from the one person saying, is Trump guilty? You have to say of, you know, you you have that would be a question. I would look back at them and say, of what? Be more specific. What is what is the charge that you think? And by the way, there's a coming up here in a little bit on the show. The secretary, the uh, uh, the what more is he still secretary of state? I think he's still secretary. Uh, the state, secretary yeah. of state of Georgia basically exonerated Trump this week. Yeah, and it hasn't been a huge story on the phone call. And we'll get to that coming up here in a little bit. But that's a, that's one point right there, that that has gotten very little publicity. Turley is the one that's been pounding on that one, saying, wait a minute, the Georgia Secretary of State is saying, no, uh, even though the call was extraordinary, you know, the president calling, that was about negotiating and getting another recount. It had nothing to do with making up or trying to find, you know, any type of, of votes through fraud. Yeah, Raffensperger is still the yeah. Secretary and, of State, yes. And so... uh and and so you look at that and you and I ask the question, doesn't the whole doesn't the entire thing fall apart? Because the whole thing is the premise that he's trying to steal the election. If mm-hmm. the main and there's other charges besides the one there. But if that is the one charge where the person who we had the phone call with other people are making the allegation that Trump was trying to steal the election by that phone call. Well, the guy he made the phone call to isn't making that accusation. Well, and, and it's other people making it, and he's saying, "Well, no, that wasn't the case." And that makes an extremely weak case. It's been positioned and presented as Raffensperger is the one saying that he was trying to force me to find illegal votes or find right. votes illegally. Right. So, I mean, they, people might not know the. The the minutia of that or even that story yet, because conservative media really hasn't publicized that story as much as they as they should have. Turley uh, Turley uh, uh, talked about it, had it on. I believe he had it on Twitter Mm -hmm. and whatever. Uh, Breitbart picked up what Turley wrote. So Breitbart had it. I haven't seen it on Fox yet. Well, and then we get back to the question for the majority that believe, you know, uh, that this is, you know, Biden going after Trump politically. I would ask the follow-up question. How many that believe that is the case believe it's wrong for him to do so? Right, but that's another that's another topic. Well, it it, it certainly is. Right, because what what you're asking is do people know what's going on? It does not whether they approve. Well, that was my first question, and and I'm parlaying into this topic into where because this is the entire landscape. This is what motivates people to, to to vote. Ignorance. Or if they want him to be going after Biden, because when it comes down to it, it's all about what is going to drive people to vote or not vote for Trump or vote or not vote for Biden or whoever is on the left. And that's the entire conversation. And so what is the motivation in people's minds? There may be plenty of Democrats out there that go, oh, yeah, it's politically motivated and I'm cool with it. Well, but that overall, we have stated that that's where we are right now. Yep. The, the good thing is in this country right now that at the abstract concepts and issues and the promotion of those issues by the left have hit the reality. None of them are working. Mm-hmm. You know, the open border isn't working. Mm-hmm. How do we know? Democrats are screaming about it. Mm-hmm. Defund the police. How do we know it's not working? Democrats are screaming about it. Uh, and and so you could there's just a couple of examples there. But when you look at oh, the liberal transgender uh, activist movement, 
If you look at the polling, new polling out on that, the public completely against it. Completely against it. Only very, very solid Democrats are 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 for it. And so we've all we've hit that point where, as we have stated, the vast majority of Americans believe what the Republican Party is promoting. They disagree with the Democrats and disagree with the Democrats passionately. The question is, is that enough to get them to vote? Will Democrats continue to vote against their own self-interest? Well, I mean, view, because because yeah. paranoia to them of what the Republican Party is in their mind, which it isn't, still is the number one issue to them, and that's what they they believe they're voting in their best self-interest. Well, well, it has been the case for at least 10 years. We go back to the uh, debates between Obama and Romney, uh, Romney, and Romney was winning on the issues in a landslide fashion, well into the 60 percentile on the issues. There was no way he was going to win in 2012, and he didn't. Nope. And so, yeah, no, they're willing to uh, all day on the issues go, yeah, 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 but I'm not voting Republican. So the fact is, will independents be that way, too? Will, will independents say, we don't care with whether we agree with the majority of what the party says, we just hate that guy? Or we hate a number of guys? Because you don't really see, it's not like, you know, you don't look at, you don't look at the polls and see that, you know, uh, Trump is at, 20% in the election and DeSantis is 80% approval they're right the same way it doesn't matter to the left whether it's Trump or DeSantis well, or or and I don't right. think it would matter if it was Tim Scott or Nikki Haley or whatever mm-hmm. it is the party brand it's not just the personality it is the brand that independents still won't say well my god vote for this person I may not vote for Trump but I'd vote for DeSantis and there'd be a 15 20 point difference that doesn't exist no, it doesn't. We got a great show ahead. <laughs> I think. Eight, I think so. Eight six six ninety red eye. Keep your engine humming in the heat this summer by keeping up with preventive maintenance. Think your PM is complete after your oil is changed? Think again. There's grease, transmission fluids, and gear oil to consider too. Grease, for example, is made of oil, thickener, and additives. It provides rust protection by preventing water spray off and wash off on equipment like the universal joint, fifth wheel, and clutch throwout bearings. It also helps protect major greasing points like tie rod ends, spring pin bushings, king pin, and the chassis. Today's synthetic oils means more miles between engine oil changes, but greasing intervals aren't growing at the same pace. Your fifth wheel, for example, needs to be greased every 15,000 miles or monthly. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find 
great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Man, we got a great. Uh, we just got a great show ahead. Uh, there's almost there's too much. Every yeah. night we come in, there's too much. But we're going to be gone for a week, and I don't feel we're going to get everything out tonight, which is going to drive me crazy on vacation. Well, we have to get out the the Keith Olbermann comes out of his basement <laughs> to go after Riley Gaines. Seriously, though, when you look at that, have. What a has, child he I, is. I, and, and I'm being has the left completely lost their minds. Yeah, and I'm and yeah, I'm asking yeah. this. I'm not. Uh, I believe they have, but I'm asking it to people who are Democrats. Mm. Have uh, they lost their minds? Be, you know, you look at the liberal transgender activist movement, and, and wait. If you haven't heard the story about what Keith Oberman did, we'll get that uh, to top of the hour. I want to get to the whole thing about the Jonathan Turley story about the Secretary of State of, yeah. uh, and the testimony this week, which I looked at and go, well, doesn't that destroy? Doesn't that destroy her case? And why right. isn't there more talk on it? We'll have right. that coming up. The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah. So uh, uh, this week you had the uh, the hearing in uh, in Georgia, mm. and the uh, hearing in Georgia was about the fact that Mark Meadows uh, wants uh, his uh, his case separated from the Trump case, and he wants to be tried in federal court mm-hmm. in the federal court system, not in. Uh, uh, you know, not in the state court. He said because you have no jurisdiction because he actually worked for the president at that at that time. Right. And uh, Raffsenberger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, if people remember, you've seen the media promote for the last few years that that uh, the the call that was made from Trump was Trump trying to get the Secretary of State 
to fraudulently come up with eleven thousand over eleven thousand votes, and that's what they they're still saying it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Jonathan Turley wrote about it earlier this week and said, "I thought both Meadows and Raffsenberger did well on the stand." I was particularly interested in Raffsenberger's description of the call. I have always supported Raffsenberger on his position in that call and the decisions of his staff. I've also rejected the claims of former President Donald Trump on the election allegations and his claims in the call. Despite the recent attack in the Washington Post, it is not the merits of Trump's claims but the use of the call as a criminal act that drew my criticism. The call was misrepresented by the Post, and the transcript later showed that Trump was not simply demanding that votes be added to the count, but rather asking for another recount or a continued investigation. Again, I disagreed with the position But the words about finding 11,780 votes was in reference to what he was seeking in a continued investigation. Critics were enraged by the suggestion that Trump was making the case for a recount as opposed to just demanding the addition of votes to the tally or fraudulent findings. Raffsenberger described the call in the same terms. He correctly described the call as extraordinary because you normally don't get a call from a president asking you to do that. Uh, In a president personally seeking such an investigation, particularly after the completion of an earlier recount, uh, that's true. However, he also acknowledged that it was a settlement negotiation. So what was the subject of the settlement talks? Another recount or further investigation? The very thing that critics this week went crazy about in the coverage. That does not mean that Trump had grounds for the demand. Trump's participation in the call was extraordinary and his demands were equally so. However, the reference to the vote deficit in demanding continued investigation was a predictable argument in such a settlement negotiation. As I previously stated, I have covered such challenges for years as a legal analyst for CBS, NBC, BBC, and Fox. Unsupported legal claims may be sanctionable in court, which means you may lose Mm -hmm. in court. Mm -hmm. They're not criminal. No, they're not. And so the fact that Raffsenberger stated that, you know, that this was about a settlement negotiation... I when I read that, uh, I think it was I can't remember now. The week's gone. When I read it this week, mm. I just went, "Doesn't that end the case?" Well, Does, if if Raffensperger is saying, uh, it, you know, if he's the one, it, because this is how it was presented, that he was the one making the claim that Trump was asking him to do something illegal. That is not the case. And never was. Prosecution subpoenaed him to testify. My question is, did she believe she had to have? If she subpoenaed him him to testify, she believed he was going to say something different. 
I don't know how you put a witness up there like this thinking it's going to be good for you if you're prosecution. The question is whether engaging in such arguments in a settlement discussion is a criminal act. This was a settlement call with lawyers on uh, with lawyers on why officials should re-examine the votes and allegations of wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. While pundits continue to bizarrely stress that the world recount was not used, the transcript shows Trump was still arguing for an additional recount or investigation as his officials explained that it would not help or produce a different outcome. Meadows made news in his categorical denial of key allegations in the indictment. First, he denied that he ever asked White House personnel officer John McEntee to draft a memo to Vice President Mike Pence on how to delay certification of the election. He insisted under oath that just didn't happen. He also said he did not text the Georgia Secretary of State's Office Chief Investigator, Francis Watson, he said the text lightly came from the Deputy Secretary of State. His testimony highlighted the weakness, in my view, of the charges against Meadow, but also the overarching racketeering charges to snare Trump and top associates. Because the thing is, if you if you look at if you look at the fact that, you know, any other claims they're making, everything is based really on the call for the intent of Trump. Was the intent criminal of Trump? That's what you're trying to find, yeah. you know, somewhere. I mean, they're trying to say that the that it, the, the racketeering act is ridiculous to begin with to actually be using that in this particular case because it doesn't fit the RICO laws. This was not a criminal enterprise that existed before and existed after, and this was part of a criminal, which you really need in RICO. This this wasn't the case. There wasn't even an organization. It may have been people that had been associated with the president, but they weren't in the same organization where the organization's goal was to constantly commit criminal acts. And if you can't find the intent of even one criminal act in there, because and you were using the one criminal act to bizarrely still try to put this under the umbrella of a the 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 RICO act and you have the person who took the call who was saying well no there was no criminal intent by how he explained it there was no criminal intent this was a settlement negotiation right. they were saying i want another recount you go you got your recount well we want another recount well no you don't get the well, you didn't use a recount. Well, maybe in that paragraph he didn't, but the whole basis of the conversation was based on that. There was nothing that ever led you in the direction of where Trump was saying, I want you to falsely manufacture right. 11,000 votes. And right. Rafsenberger seemed to, with I, I'm, I'm saying seemed seem to because I, well, I'll, because I haven't seen anything else. I haven't seen anybody else try to spin Raffsenberger's testimony in an op- in the opposite direction. Well, that would have been the headline in, in the right. liberal media. That that they the and here's how it would have been phrased. Uh prosecution's star witness nails the case. Yeah. Shut. Right. Because had Raffensberger came out and said, no, he was clearly trying to get me to conjure up votes that weren't there. Then it's over. Raffensperger is a Republican, for those that don't know. And I think, you know, this is 
This was her play, I guess. My question is, why would you subpoena him if you didn't know what he was already going to say? Why would prosecution want him? Why would prosecution attempt in a bizarre way to use a the RICO Act in 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 this case to begin with? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's been bizarre since the beginning. So if you're going to falsely attempt, in my opinion, to use the RICO Act, mm-hmm. well, then you're going to be making mistakes across the board. Well, and, you know, I could see defense coming in saying, we need the Secretary of State to, to get up here and set the record straight. That there was no criminal intent of that phone call. There's nothing here that constitutes criminal intent. Nothing. And this is really the basis of the case, if you think about it. As they write here, uh, in the most interesting takeaway is that Willis may have overplayed her hand by including Meadows. In doing so, she may have created the strongest avenue for removal. I believe that she had hoped that Meadows would flip. Instead, he is leading the charge to federal court. Even if Judge Jones denies the motion, it can now be appealed, and there are solid arguments in his favor. If Willis shows greater restraint, she could have omitted Meadows and the strongest claim for removal. If he succeeds, it strengthens the case of others to seek removal. Moreover, the case against Meadows simply does not seem all that compelling from the indictment. While she may have additional evidence, he currently seems a relatively weak link in her chain of conspiracy. Hmm. But yeah, and and I think too that it kills, as you know, we said, because they were focusing on Meadows here, but Rapsenberger, as you see, he brought brought in. Well, if he's saying there was no criminal intent, doesn't that destroy everything? It does. Because that's her main, her claim is that's the criminal intent. And so on other charges, if that charge falls, well, the the credibility of the prosecutor, because I'd say this, the prosecutor was trying to make the case that even the person at the other end of the phone call was not trying to make. Right. She's making stuff up. She has no credibility. These charges have no credibility. You get in front of a jury if she's trying to, to do all the charges at the same time. Well, that's, you know, Joel Pollock at, at, in the Breitbart story uh, points out, he wraps up the story, if Meadows succeeds in his bid to have the case removed to federal court, other defendants will do the same and may argue the charges should be dismissed Altogether, I'll throw in altogether, because of the Supremacy Clause and on other grounds. However, uh, Raffensperger's testimony could also be used to dismiss at least some of the Fulton County indictments, particularly regarding solicitation of violation of oath by public officer in reference to the phone call with Raffensperger. This could this could implode the entire case. I don't know if Meadows will be successful. That'll be interesting to watch. Because Meadows Meadows is saying, "Look, I was a government employee. That I I should have all of this in a, in a different jurisdiction." Because he wasn't part of the campaign, so throwing him in. Again, this is the problem with overcharging. How are you not setting yourself up for failure? And and I have to believe, and I could be wrong, I don't know, but I have to believe the courts would have some consideration, at least there will be by defense along the way, 
there will be a, a request for the courts, you know, to, again, uh, remove it, uh, a change of venue, whatever. Uh, dismiss the charges. And in the case of Trump, this is separate from Meadows, but in the case of Trump, there's an election. We want these decisions uh, made, it, yes or no, up or down, uh, on dismissing these charges because there's an election here, and we believe this is election interference. And there has to be some consideration. I don't know what the courts will do, but I'm I'm guessing that's where defense is going. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Wow, the Washington Post fact checker. Apparently, he said Trump's a or no, Trump. <laughs> Biden's a liar. <laughs> really? You see Mark Hemingway's column. It's like, re- remember, remember the count on Trump's lies. It's like, if you want to know the bias in the media, because they're, remember they're the ones that say they're non-biased. If they said, look. <clears throat> We're biased. We're complete Democrats. And so we're only going to criticize the other side. That'd be one thing. But they claim that they're journalists and they look at things equally. Yeah. That means ways. That's, you know, that's interesting. What, what if they actually did that? <clears throat> Listen, come on, come on. All right, all right, all right, fine. Yes. We're going to, all these stories are going to lean this direction. They're all going to lean hard left. Right. And we're okay with that. Yeah, we'll we'll report on the mistakes of the Republicans and the lies of the Republicans, but we will never touch the lies of what, any Democrat. Would it be like the whole UFO thing where everybody goes, yeah, we already know. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we know. Yeah. Like that. yeah, we know. We know. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. 
From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Welcome. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. All right. It's time for our Friday gaslighting. All right. And, All right. of course, leading the charge again, as always, Corrine Jean-Pierre. The president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. He really has. There you go. Was she talking about the current president? (laughs) Okay, just one follow-up. You said the president. Do you mean the current president or the former president? Thing is, every Democrat listening right now knows that's a lie. It's a lie. Every Democrat listening knows it's a lie. That's the thing. Not Republicans or independents. Every Democrat listening knows that's a complete lie. Oh, I got got it. Hold on. Oh, man, did I? Uh, there was something in the Washington Post. Oh, here it is. Oh, yeah, I did say here. Just this paragraph alone. A record number of families oh, crossed yeah. the U.S. border illegally in August, creating an argument. Or, or I'm sorry, creating an urgent problem for the Biden administration. It's not an urgent problem for them. No. Let me try it again. A record number of families crossed the Washington Post. A record number of families. Oh, dang it. My phone timed out. Hold on. Okay. And I've got it on my, I saved it on my on my desktop on my phone. Could you on, get on it together page. over there? This is no, a professional operation. I'm on my way out the door. A, re- a record number of families crossed the U.S. border illegally in August, creating an urgent problem for the biden administration no it's not it's what they want they caused it but what do you mean urgent <laughs> problem they caused it this is what they want everything happening is what they want you just see the story yesterday that uh, la wants to uh now go after governor uh, uh abbott here in texas mm-hmm. and the funny thing is this the hilarious thing is what's is what's going on in plain sight that the media isn't covering and you know, the conservative media is Breitbart. Biden targets six communities to dump New York City migrants. President Joe Biden's deputies have targeted six uh, communities in New York and New Jersey as locations to resettle foreign migrants now overflowing government-funded shelters in New York City. A list of those sites was sent to state officials and prompted uh, and, and promptly leaked to Bloomberg, which reported where they're going to be going. Most of the sites are outside the city including Stewart International Airport, a small Hudson Valley facility frequently used by private jet owners. The Atlantic City location is even in another state, uh, New Jersey, one recommended site. Uh, Messina International Airport is 365 miles from the city in remote St. Lawrence County on New York's Canadian border. It serves as a U.S. Customs port entry from Canada. Uh, There are two sites in Schenectady, one near Bear Mountain State Park, uh, and a one site in New Jersey at Atlantic City Airport. The burden put on our citizens would be overwhelming, and the effect on the school system, roads, and resources to accommodate them would be uh, devastating, uh, responded uh, Laura Fromer, a Republican mayor of Egg Harbor Township in uh, New Jersey. So now that expands to all these other communities. Yeah. And I think they're trying to make them 
a lot of them are more rural communities because if you send them to Buffalo, Syracuse, or Rochester, mm-hmm. there'd be a huge stink because those are pretty big cities mm. in in New York. But I think the goal is, all right, let's get them as far out as possible and and uh, move. But but part of the talk here is, number one, the Biden administration, which has been moving migrants around the country for the longest time, and now the plan of moving migrants even around further. Let me ask you this. Are they going to voluntarily be able to go where they want, or will they be forced to go? Mm. That's one of the things. Abbott is kidnapping. Remember yeah. Newsom? Oh, yeah. Newsom. <laughs> They're, he's kidnapping them. Well, well, they made it sound like the DOJ was going to open a, an investigation. Actually, I think it, that was already suggested. L.A. did. Yeah. LA's no, 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 no. I mean, yeah. the, the, right. the DO, the federal DOJ. Right. right. Under Biden. And that was man very early this year, if not last year. And then they dropped it. Yeah. There's nothing there. Right. They're doing the same thing. Well, because you question the people on that are getting on the bus and they tell you, no, we weren't forced. I think one of the liberal media groups did a story on, well, this person was tricked into getting on the bus. Turns out, no, they weren't. You know, make it seem like Abbott is doing something wrong. If you if you listen to the left, they just want to come here. They just want to come. If this were Obama taking them, by the way, the Obama administration, like the Biden administration, did take them to other places. And then what was the response from the left? Well, you know, we if if they're wanting to go here or we need to disperse the resource burden. Yeah, that's what they're saying right now about New yeah, York City. Exactly. And we need to yeah, and, and all of this. We need to so you're doing what Abbott did. Actually you're not because you brought up the good point. If they're turned away, that's one thing. But if we're if they're saying they'll be relocated you mean by choice? They have a choice. We have, that this is a question. By the Democrat standard, do they have a choice? Uh, the Los Angeles City Council is pushing for a probe into Texas Governor Greg Abbott over his uh, busing of migrants to the city, including whether he has committed any crime and if the city can pursue a lawsuit. The council voted unanimously on Wednesday to approve two motions filed days after Abbott first bus dozens of migrants from Texas to Los Angeles in June. These motions are about investigating whether Greg Abbott committed kidnapping, human trafficking, or any other crimes when he sent vulnerable families on a 23-hour bus ride uh-huh. with little or no food or water, according to an L.A. City Council member. Well, we know that's not true. No. We know that's not true. So uh, it, it's fun because now they're pa- – but none of them question the policies of the administration at the border that is causing all of this. Right. <laughs> you just shake your head. You're just like, what in the... We're tired of Governor Abbott sending him somewhere else, so we're going to send him somewhere else. else. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just stupider than stupid. Every day. Every day. And as I told you, I mean, it's just lo- the local news. You saw where... Uh, what was it? Uh, the also the uh, Massachusetts governor mm. 
yesterday, I believe, uh, called up 250 National Guard troops. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is, is you look at these border towns, the small border towns, these mayors have been screaming for a long time. And what does the left say? Nothing. Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. nothing. By the way, many of these um, uh, uh, border town mayors are Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the whole international bridge thing was going on uh, in Del Rio, the mayor of Del Rio is, uh, he was mayor at the time, he's a Democrat, he's an openly gay Democrat, and he's been he had been screaming for the longest time and his own party abandoned him and said he's he's saying we can't the, the crime is on on the rise we don't have the police force you know del rio's about 33 34000 people somewhere in there and then you've got what was it 8 9 10000 standing under that bridge waiting to come in Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen? Any other crossing where they have come come in, and now you really don't have a choice. If you want to, if you're a state, if you're a border state, and you have the resources, you really don't have a choice but to help those towns mitigate that rise in crime, mitigate the cost of 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 housing these individuals. You can't really do anything else you can look at it and say well but they're sending them all to sanctuary cities sanctuary states the ones that said we welcome everyone and we're not going to cooperate with the feds we're not going to use any of our resources and we're telling everybody who was it was it the mayor of what california city where she gave them the heads up because the feds were there was something that was going to happen and then she openly said something, and, and we'll have to go back and find it. But she openly said something, basically telling any illegal immigrants in her city, uh, the feds are on their way, or this is going to happen on this day. And it was days ahead of time. It was a story back in the Trump uh, presidency. But you look at that attitude that they had and how politically they were able to get it done. There was no pushback when they were creating sanctuary cities. None. No, there was no pushback. And I would say this to everybody on the L.A. City Council. By the Democrat standard, we know what you're doing by the Democrat standard. Mm -hmm. You are throwing out the false allegations of kidnapping when simply the governor of Texas said, would you like to go somewhere else? You claim that you care about illegal immigrants and migrants, but you don't. When push comes to shove, when you have to foot the bill you become major xenophobes. Yep. Why is, why, when did the L.A. City Council become a bunch of xenophobes? Right. And try to use an excuse, kidnapping of, of, of you know, uh, what is it, uh, the uh, trafficking, human mm-hmm. trafficking, mm-hmm. kidnapping. Yeah. No. Governor of Texas simply is, and the people of the, the state of Texas are saying, would you like to go to somewhere else? Hey, would you like to go to a sanctuary city, a city that the city council has come out and said, we welcome not just migrants, we welcome all illegal immigrants. Right. 
You will have sanctuary here. You will have sanctuary here. We will protect you from the federal government. That is their official policy, not a campaign slogan. Right. The official policy has come here, and when they come here, it shows that not only are you xenophobic, but you're lying and hypocritical xenophobes. Yeah. So why is any of the... City Council members listening on our great affiliate, KABC in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. we'd like you to answer this question. Why are you being hypocrite xenophobes? And racist, because they. And racist, yes, and racist. If you want to build a wall, if you want to enforce the border, you're a racist. Why is the LA City Council. (laughs) Can we throw in and let me see. uh... Uh, they're all they're all for the the they're all for the uh, radical transgender movement. Right? Why are they being misogynist? Right. Exactly. Let's, let's combine them all together. Why are they being misogynist, hypocritical, xenophobes? Right. And racists. Right. It's obvious by their own standard that they're xenophobe, racist. By the Democrat standard. Yep. This isn't our standard. No. This is their standard. And the worst part is they created it through legislation to become a sanctuary city yep. to invite not just migrants who are technically legal here because the administration has technically said they're legal until they don't show up. Right. But they went further than that and said, not just migrants, will take illegal immigrants if you're here illegally. Right. That that and, was the whole point. In mm, fact, the basis of it is about those who are here illegally right. because they were saying, we're not going to use our local resources to cooperate right. with the feds when they come in to enforce border policy. And then the leader of their party opens the border... They all flow into the border states like Texas. Texas then says, would you like to go somewhere else? How about a sanctuary city where the legislation is? We will take care of anyone who wishes to come here. Mm -hmm. Migrants, illegal immigrants, come here. They do. Mm -hmm. So you've got a fake. You've got a lie. And say, well, they're being kidnapped, uh, uh, human trafficking here, mm-hmm. to hide your racist xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Couldn't be more clear. To the good people of Los Angeles, how can you elect continuously these racist xenophobes by their own standard? It's appalling. It's appalling. It's disgusting. The racist, xenophobic L.A. City Council. I've never, or at least in the last few minutes. <laughs> I'm going to be honest about is, it. Isn't this fun? Yeah, it is. But this is exactly their mindset. Yeah, throwing it right back at them is what, oh that's, my that's gosh. what we're doing. Throwing this it right been, back at them. And for years it's been the case. Yep. And it's, by the way, it's racist in, in from their position. It's racist because... Y'all are only worried about the southern border. Oh, trust me, we're worried about Canadians too. That's a whole other discussion. <laughs> well, there's a problem. There's a problem up there now, flying into Canada, crossing yep. the border. Oh yeah, no, they've they been dealing across. with yep. it. Yep. yep. 
866-90-RED-EYE. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website. For more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. I did see, hmm. also from California, since we're talking about the uh, racist, uh, xenophobic L.A. City Council wanting to go after Governor Abbott uh-huh. for sending migrants right. to a sanctuary city hmm. um, when they don't seem to care about the fact that it's happening because the president is allowing you know, open borders. Right. And we're also looking at what's going on in New York City. But it uh, looks like the reparations, there was a bill introduced. Uh, this bill would form the State Department to hand out reparations. Again, no amount has been decided, but it was introduced into the California legislature apparently this week. Yeah, I guess you have to yeah, at least have to act like you're going to do something about it, right? Act like you're going to follow through. There's no way that that's going to get to the governor's desk. Well, not the million, but they'll do something. Mm-hmm. And then everybody will complain because it's not. Well, enough. that's the problem is that politically, <laughs> I don't think it's going to get there on any level. How do you get it done? Because if you say with the supermajority, you say a thousand dollars. And politically, that's going to work for you. I. They do crazy things all the time, and yeah. they stay in office. I don't see that It's happening. California. I don't see that happening. I think they'll go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until the end of time like we've been doing for decades. <laughs> Tell me where I'm wrong. So, Has anyone ever well, no, pulled, no, no. actually pulled no. the trigger on no. reparations? No, what got me to laugh was till the end of time. Yeah, no. well, no, that's where it's, how long is it? How long have we been talking about this in talk radio? For a long, long time. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Friday Radio, he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, 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 he mm-hmm. came out of his basement. 
Yeah. Oberman speaks. Keith Oberman out of his basement calls Riley Gaines stupid and unsuccessful. <laughs> if if an Oberman speaks and there's nobody there to care, does it make a sound? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it it's he really sounds more and more like a child every time he speaks. She's stupid and she's not a good swimmer. Wow. Insanely intelligent argument there, Keith. But that's yeah, he said all he, he's ever had, by the way. He said uh, that, you know, uh, you need to address the reality that you suck at swimming uh-huh. is yeah. what he said to yeah. to Riley Gaines. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and calling her stupid. Just, you know, but I, it's it's the only thing the left has. You can't say, here's where she's wrong. Why? Well, because you would demonstrate clearly that your position on it is wrong. That men shouldn't be competing with women in women's sports. And they can't win that. What he said to her in social media, can you just address the reality and move past it? You mm-hmm. sucked at swimming. That's why you lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did, and <clears throat> this is a question for, for, for Democrats. Um, you know, we have our theories, but I, it'd be interesting to find out, you know, I've always the, you and I've talked about this. I remember when, when Obama was in office, I've got 20, at least 20 social media acquaintances that I've known that would talk about Obama and what the great job he was doing on a consistent basis. They were vocal about Trump for a while, then they sort of disappeared. Now they're completely quiet. Yeah. I wonder, and this is something that really hasn't been done, and that's specific polling of Democrats and where they stand. What do they where do they think, you know, uh, uh, you know, about the entire transgender movement and why? And how far would they take it? Because the misogyny that is so apparent from Olbermann. And we had said this, the interesting thing is we had said this at the beginning of the week. I'd seen it on social media, and it was one of the things I said on Monday show. I said, wow, you see where this is going now? It's going now. You women just need to be shut up. You can't win. Life isn't fair. Move on. That's been the new narrative, and Olbermann picked up on it by the end of the week. Yeah. Right. Just... Address the reality. You suck. Women suck at sports. Men are better. Oh, my God. I mean, that's that's what his statement, that's what he's communicating. Women, you suck at sports because men can beat you. Yeah. Second team all-conference. <clears throat> Happily for nasty, stupid, unsuccessful transphobe Riley Gaines. She has no reputation to ruin. Well, num- number uh-huh. one, that was, as we all know, that was the first two years, and she became yeah, you know, first team. And by the way, is that because she was competing against men? 
Where do, you, uh, where do you think the women will be when they're competing against men? This is again. They have they have nothing on the issues. Not nothing on the issues. You had uh, so you just have to go into the name calling and say, "Oh, you're stupid. You're unsuccessful. You well, should just stand down." You know the misogynist Keith Oberman. Yeah, I mean it, it's a, the sexism, the misogyny is just so it's so blatant. You think about it with identity politics in the Democratic Party today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is, again, we judge people by groups, racist. The yeah. racism is blunt. Yeah. It's absolutely, it's it's it, with a sledgehammer over the top of the head, the identity politics, which is racist. It's mainstream in the Democratic Party. Then you get to the misogyny and sexism of the radical transgender movement that every single, every single Democrat in the House agrees with. Mm-hmm. Every <laughs> single one agrees that men should be competing against sports every single one right right yeah and when you get to the the uh, the the senate on the equity bill mansion's the only one that objects that's how radical of a party they are but if they're using a sledgehammer to promote their racist philosophy i i mean they're using a wrecking ball mm-hmm. to promote their insanity and I just wondered, when did the Democratic Party become the party of hatred towards women? When did that happen? What, when did the marching orders go out? If Democrats are listening, do you, do you know? When, when did that happen? We went from hashtag me too to ladies shut up and sit down. Right. Almost overnight. I know, exactly. <laughs> Always believe a woman. Yes. Always believe a woman to as, as long as that woman is a man. Right. <laughs> That's what it's become. <laughs> believe the woman. Always believe a woman, especially when the woman is a man. <laughs> and I mean it's it's across the board from Hollywood. <laughs> you know, Oberman. Now, one of the funny things is this is great. Washington Examiner contributor Kimberly Ross called Oberman sexist mm. for his attacks. I'm sorry. Your statement should be directed at a dude named Leah Thomas. Mm-hmm. He sucks at swimming against biological males, so much so that he decided to identify as a female so he could win. That's How sexist and sad. That's the first thing that I thought. And then Riley Gaines writes back to him, Ah, makes sense now why you got fired from ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty much everywhere else. I heard his mom was thinking about kicking him out of the basement. That could be a rumor. That could be a rumor I'm just starting right this second. They have nothing on the issues. Nothing. And then clearly demonstrate their misogyny, their racism at every turn. This one hour, this one hour of greatness of Red Eye Radio, and we're only 42 <laughs> minutes in. In all humbleness. Be- yeah, just just bear with me on the you know hyperbole. This is this great program you're listening to right now, possibly the greatest ever. Ever. To, uh, that, what, uh, in the last five minutes, to air... On great radio stations across across this nation, you are being shown. You it, it is being clearly demonstrated the misogyny. 
the that's bigotry the, on the left. That's the one thing I can never get out of any of you know uh, anybody that I know who's Democrat. They just won't. They won't. It's no. just they won't speak on it. And I've actually attempted a few conversations. What do you think about this? Why well, you guys have your problems too? Fine, I'll address all the problems the Republicans have. I think we do on a regular you know, basis. Uh, well, yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> that, that's for well, a living. Well, that's the th- well. No, but that's a key right there. Mm-hmm. A key is you. You look at everything with Trump right now. Everything's been addressed by the right. Yeah, the right has gone through. But now you may disagree with it, but they haven't hit it. When you look at what the media hides, that the media doesn't, the media is so afraid to report on so many issues, they don't even want it out there. You have to ask yourself why. But I find it incredible that Democrats on the the most radical things that they stand on, identity politics, the liberal transgender activist movement, uh, we saw it this week, uh, uh, or la- really last week after the debate on abortion. Yeah. None of them will tell right. you what they really believe on abortion. They right. just won't do it. Right. And, and we saw it from the White House this week with Corrine Jean-Pierre on the radical transgender movement. Mm-hmm. She won't answer the question. Right. They won't, an- they won't tell you what they believe, yet you know what they believe. And so you ask the question, why? Why won't they proudly do it? Oberman did. Yeah. Oberman was absolutely clear. Women suck. <laughs> Women are stand down, ladies. <laughs> Women are useless. They can't do anything. Men are better. I mean, this, and it's the official position of the Democratic Party. It's not like, well, okay, it's just a, it's just a small group of a couple of people here. No, it's the, the whole party. The entire Democratic Party supports the demon, not just. <laughs> <laughs> not are they just anti-women but they support the demonization of women when women say well, wait a minute I-, I thought you guys we went from safe spaces to you suck yeah and there are no safe spaces and let me flash my genitals in your face and you better get and her daughter's <laughs> face yeah exactly. and she should get used to it these are these are positions held by the left the Charlotte Observer. What they're trying to put in schools, what they have have been fighting for to teach your children. And then fighting for in terms of if your child says they're a, a different gender and you don't agree, you are guilty of abuse. This is who they are. Yeah, it's really amazing. I mean, I'd... I can't wait to see what is up front and center on their stage next summer at their convention in Chicago. Because I guarantee you, all of this stuff will have prime time attention. Uh, and by the way, I'm not angry at all with what Keith Olbermann did. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm impressed with his honesty. <laughs> yeah. Because the Democrats won't be out. Now, I disagree with him completely. And what he believes is absolutely the worst anti-women hatred that you can possibly imagine. But I'm impressed with his honesty that I believe women suck. And they're, they are, you know, the, what he's communicating is 
Women suck. They're not good at sports. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can't compete against men, and they shouldn't try to compete against men because men are better. Yeah. It's, it's, and and the, he's so blunt about it, which is like, whoa. But that's what they really think. That's what the mainstream of the Democratic Party in the United States of America thinks about women at a time. That, and this is the incredible thing. Why are more women supporting the Democratic Party <laughs> when they're absolutely anti-women? Right. Over and over again. Are, are the Democrats right? Do women wish to be second-class citizens? How do you not care? How is this not the issue for women right now? The issue. I don't get it. I don't get it. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. I mean, the the hatred and meanness that comes from Keith Olbermann is just palatable. I mean, it's just it's it, it is really incredible. And you think about it, but it's really interesting because it seemed to have come out of nowhere. And and you just yeah. wonder where yeah. did the where did the hatred towards women where was it born inside the Democratic Party, and how did it expand so quickly? I, they're going at this harder than they went at universal health care. No, you're, <laughs> Seriously. You're right. They, they, they didn't try this hard with universal health care. <laughs> no. And they didn't put this much effort into Obamacare. They didn't. They. They didn't put this much effort into raising taxes on the rich. This has been. And I mean the passion that goes into it at every turn. It's weird. The passion of women hatred that's mainstream in the Democratic Party and promoted by the women of the Democratic Party they, is absolutely, it's, it's, it's probably, to me, one of the most unbelievable turns I have ever seen in modern American political history on a domestic issue like this. If you're sitting it's at, at just, a round table and you're saying, okay, strategy, what are we going to do? What's going to be our thing? Hate women. Yeah, right. Demonize women. Let's replace women with men. Men, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's been... The, 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 I, I, I swear to you, the next, thing will, the next thing would be following the way they've gone so far. Mm-hmm. Well, you know something, we are pro-life. Yeah. For male right. babies. Exactly, yes. Male babies only. Ma- males only. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's bizarre. It is weird. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. It's Red Eye Radio. 
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Wow, heading Labor Day weekend. Just time is going too quickly. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about it. Uh, what are we just? You say it this way. We're roughly 120 days from Christmas. Yeah. Now, for all of those shouting, shut up, Eric. But I was thinking it just flies by. It really does. Now, in Texas, we're roughly halfway through summer, and <laughs> I saw <laughs> I saw online the prediction for temperatures, and basically, and, and what was good was the meteorologist was saying, "Listen, this is just a this is a broad application. This is a broad uh, uh, estimate. Don't take everything, you know, but it looks like." the middle of the country will be probably warmer than September than most Septembers, the average September warmer than average. And then in the Northwest cooler than average. And then, you know, so if the forecast, the general forecast holds, it could be one of the warmest Septembers for the middle section and everybody who's been suffering through the heat uh, throughout the summer. And I thought, well, in Texas, that's nothing different. I mean, I remember my kids going to... I've never been to a Cowboys game. <laughs> my kids have. <laughs> I've been to a Cowboys game. I've never been. And I'm a Bills fan. Yeah. I've got friends who work for the Cowboys. I've never been. Now they were playing the Bills. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> More people from New York showed up, and it was in Texas. Um, but, no, it's... I I remember them, and it was the, at the old Texas Stadium. And which isn't far, wasn't far from here. And, uh, and I remember them coming home and it was early in the season. Oh, that place used to get. Well, it's just hot because it's still hot in September. Yeah. And so they got, you know, they got home, they, they went with some friends and, and they got home and it was like, you know, how was this? Like, is it really hot? Yeah. That place would, you know, because the, uh, the, the, the the opening, you know, in the in the roof couldn't yeah the sun would come in and yeah and it was just and if you were in that you know yeah. in that sun sitting there it was just relentless it was hot, yeah you know it was and it I, I've been to a few concerts there at the old place I've never been to a concert at the new place well, I mean today's supposed to be ninety eight which is normal for this time of the year yeah it's yeah not, that's not abnormal I, for September first I many times on uh. Thanksgiving Day, and even on Christmas Day, when we sit down to dinner, which is usually around 1 or one thirty in the afternoon, we sit down. It's warm. I mean, it's often, and by warm, I mean like in December, it might be 72, oh, yeah. 73, for a December day. I remember I remember a couple of 90s yeah. in December where it got to 90. Uh 
Yeah, I don't I don't recall that, but I'm sure I'm yeah, I'm sure that you know, that's you, know how I, yeah. you know how I re- recall it. Mm. I was golfing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's how, but you look at the next couple of weeks, really it's supposed to be around 100 every every day for the next 2 weeks, yeah. which yeah, which uh, is, gets us to mid-September. Yeah, yeah. Gets, and and that's that's okay cuz to me now I'll be in uh Buffalo a little bit later on this afternoon. Oh, it's going to be you you were telling me the other day off the air. <laughs> What's the high going to be there when you while you're there? Uh, when I'm the high temperature, the, not not the buzz. The okay, the, the <laughs> I just have to clear. These days, you have to clarify it. <laughs> well, right, because yeah. the U.S. Open takes place it, exactly <laughs> it's taking yes. place in New York, right. not near Buffalo, but right. Boy, that story's going all over the place. They're saying, "Oh, you do. You're you're around there. You smell pot everywhere." I mean, it's just like yeah. there was a story about the because I was wondering. Remember, I asked the question yesterday. I said, "How?" Oh, so the elite that go to watch tennis are are smoking pot, right? You think they'd be ingesting yeah. it in some other form, right? And they talked about it. They talked about the elite and the, how the elite smoke pot. There was an article. I don't know if it was the New York Post, New York Times yesterday that I was reading, but I was just laughing. I'm like, oh my right. gosh, this has become a huge story. It's like, what did you expect? You legalized it, right? Uh, but uh, no, 78 is a high today. 79. On Saturday, and fifty nine at night, and then, uh, and they're actually this will be. I think this, they're they're heading to the hottest part of the the hottest part that they've had all year because it's seventy eight in uh, in Buffalo today, seventy nine Saturday, eighty three Sunday, eighty seven Monday, ninety Tuesday, ninety one Wednesday, eighty seven Thursday, and then the cold front comes in seventy six sixty four, and then you start getting down to. Where you're normally getting by mid September, but I remember September's where when when I was living in Buffalo, where it would be, it get down, you would have days where it would only be sixty during the day on a mm-hmm. cloudy day and get down to forty eight at night, you mm-hmm. know, forty forty mm-hmm. between forty five and fifty. So, but they've had an extremely. This is their summer. It's funny because the kids are going back to school and the temperatures are going to be hot because uh, in New York you go after Labor Day. Um, uh, but they have their temperatures. Ever, I don't think I've seen the hottest. And I was back Father's Day. I was back Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. I was back end of July. I was back two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I'm back again today. And I don't think that I will see. I might Sunday, but 81 was the hottest that I've seen so far there. Mm. And the majority of the time, it was. You know, seventy five, seventy six. You get up in the morning, you want to wear a jacket, yeah, because it's right. it's cool and if the wind's blowing. Right. And when you're used to this temperature, we used yeah. to what we've had this year. Mm-hmm. You go back there and it's seventy five, and the wind starts blowing. You're like, man, I'm just chilly. This is really this is really right. horrible. What's well, no, on? I'm I'm afraid <laughs> that I I may not be able to acclimate, you know, to cooler temperatures. And I mean, in the mid sixties, if we if we ever get them <laughs> in Texas. Um, well, I, I will because I'll be <clears throat> I'll be golf I'll be golfing a lot my my golf game I've been taking lessons since February and mm-hmm. really haven't had a chance to go on the course the first time out because my goal was to break ninety consistently and then in a year break eighty and my instructor told me my teacher don't count your score just hit shots hit shots for the next year yeah, right well I, and and if you make a mistake put down another ball and hit it again your goal is to learn to hit good shots well the first time i went out i shot a 79 i didn't have to hit it and i kept it in my head i didn't 
right in the scorecard. I just know. I mean, you know when you golf. And then if you, like, start putting down golf balls and it just you lose it, you don't know what you're scoring then at that point when you're dropping additional balls because you're not supposed to do that. Right, right. But but uh, I didn't have to drop a golf ball, and I sank a 25-foot <laughs> left or right putt mm. uh, for my 79. I went, oh, I can stop taking left golf Left to lessons. right. Wow. Yeah. The, I, left, was, I guess it, I've it, never considered that. I, I don't play golf at all. I've never a left to right putt. It 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 starts. It goes. You know, you hit it left of the the hole, and then it comes around, curls around, and goes to okay. the right into the hole. All right, so that's a left to right okay. putt. Okay, okay, all right. Yeah. So it's like you know. So it would be like, uh, you're the greens like that. Yeah. So I'm. By the way, we're not on TV, Gary. <laughs> yeah, the greens <laughs> like that, and if you look here, then you'll see. Yeah. Uh, but, um, so yeah, so I'm really, really excited to, uh, you know, get out. Uh, really plan on taking a ton of lessons here in the next couple of weeks while it's still, you know, be cool in the morning. But then when it, I hope I want to golf twice next week. I want I can get out early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it's tough for me to, when I work. It's just almost impossible to golf. Yeah, right. when I work, maybe Friday. But I'd like to, you know, probably by the time we get to mid September, every Friday I want to golf. Yeah, you know, every sure. Friday, maybe even a Saturday, mm-hmm. just to see how it is. I mean, because you're not going to perform. I will not. It'll take five or six times out consistently golfing and hitting golf balls every day. Right, right. Because you can lose it. Because it got so hot, I didn't hit golf balls for two and a half weeks. Mm. I was up two days ago going, well, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. And then right. within, within after I warmed up and everything else, I was hitting the ball fine. But it's like you lose it a little bit. And, and you realize that's why you see the pros are at the driving range with their coaches, you know, directing them what to do and they're pros yeah and it's like right. oh so getting a teacher is never gonna make me a great golfer where you get the teacher and you go okay i've learned enough bye it's like no your game go to hell still <laughs> yeah so, sure but uh it's just uh the uh it's gonna be cool there and so i get to see dad hang out with dad for a couple of days and nice i'm back like monday though i mean i'm not there nice. for a long time i go back a lot but don't stay a long time. And that's because even at his age, 97, think about this, mm-hmm. 97, he still has a bunch of things he's doing every day. He's always busy. Yeah, right. And it's like, okay, you come in, have breakfast with him two days, take long rides in the afternoon because you can't, like, play horseshoes with him or right, whatever. Sure, right. And so you take the ride, and it's it's like, okay, see you in a few weeks. And yeah. that's better than going for seven or eight days. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. with it, and then it's like okay, and so, um, uh, it's a, uh, it's gonna, it's great talking with him this week. You know, sometimes he gets busy, and I think you wonder if it's a cognitive problem. This is why we talked about Mitch McConnell the other day. Yeah, right. it's like okay, he's got to go. Mm, you know, my dad's been through a lot. He's never been like that. He's a lot older than Mitch McConnell. Well, and it seems like it's something <clears throat> that is even beyond. Uh, a, a cognitive issue that it, it it could be a neurological issue that's 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 affecting his not not just his upper neurons but but also his lower neurons. What's whatever the freezing event is going on with Mitch? Well, by the way, he was cleared. The doctors you know, by the doctors. Doctor said him. it's lightheadedness lightheadedness due to a concussion. And well, then you shouldn't be out in front of the public speaking. Well, and and that my question is. How often is that happening when we're not seeing it? I asked this yesterday, and if that is the case, and what we—I don't know if 
the doctor reported, I didn't read it, maybe it's in a story somewhere, if that is expected to get better. Because a concussion at his age is no small thing. A concussion for anyone Anyone is no small small thing. It's why, as an adult, Mm. so happy I never played really competitive contact sports. Right. Yeah. I'm so happy I was so small that I couldn't play high school or college football. Right. You know, you don't think about it then, but thinking about it now and then seeing all the, just the general problems, you know, football players have. I I heard somebody say the other day, uh, talking about the NFL, your chance of injury is 100%. Yeah, you're going to have injuries. It's like, oh, oh, wow. Right. That's right. I don't know. I I don't like that statistic. And and you look at concussions. I mean, in the NFL, yeah. that's not that's that's yep. normal. I mean, it's routine. <clears throat> it is, and and I just think about I know you know how much I've had to work. I had sciatic nerve problems sixteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where I got all my workout equipment in my house. I don't have to go anywhere. It's like mm-hmm. there's no excuse. It's right, right. there. Mm-hmm. My pool's right there. The bicycle's right there. Right. I have to work out. Right. Uh, but the resistance training, the weightlifting. Changed my whole life. Yeah. Because yeah, I had yeah. water on the knees horrible. And everybody that I played basketball with in my senior year, everyone has either got hip replacement or knee replacement. When you're going so and and you're I'm, going stop and go, you know, yep. you talk about the type of sprinting that's done in basketball. And then of course any in, in the jumping up and down is horrible on the knees. And and that's what I found out about uh about six years ago when I finally said, Okay, time to hang up. The basketballs, I can do it. Yeah, you right. can do yeah. it. I could, yeah. st- and I was amazed that I could still keep up with the younger people. You know, with the younger guys at the court, and I still had acceleration. Mm-hmm. I still had a shot. Everything else, I'm like, oh, I never. And, and I had some injuries, and then I worked through them. And then at the court one day, and they said, "Come on, you got to play. Come on, come on, you got to do it. You're not that old." And yeah, I am. <laughs> And so I did it, and, I, you know, it's a little hot out, but I'm drinking, you know, got my liquids and everything else. I'm feeling fine, and you get into the zone, and I'm just like, I'm really playing well. This is really great. I've got a lot of years left. I went back, you know, back home, whatever, sat down for a couple of minutes, you know, a towel sitting there, mm-hmm. maybe about, you know, 30 minutes, half hour, just, you know, going, what a great day that was. I couldn't walk for three days. The, yeah, knees, right. the knees and yeah. the elbow, especially the it's knees. It's always about the recovery. The knees yeah. and the ankles were, yeah. and I just, I remember the saying, I'm done. Yeah. And I just yeah. don't want to get knees replaced well, and I don't and- want to get ankle. And so uh, I had been doing resistance training for my sciatic nerve problem that I had, mm. and it took that away. And it's as close to a miracle as I can get because I had bad water on the knees, and I don't have any of that these days. Now, when I golf, there's still my ankles, especially, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, I got to sleep overnight, and it's better the next day. But it hurts. Yeah, yeah, it still hurts. Uh, so sciatic nerve is, is horrible. And, and I, I went through that. And yeah. I can't imagine playing football, getting hit, or, or hockey. Yeah, and and you know, and playing it professionally. You know, mm-hmm. I played a lot of basketball. You know, amateur stuff, sandlot stuff. Did it my entire adult life. But you're not hitting your head. It's just it's the knees. It's the hips. You well, know, even it's without the, the contact, I was going to say, even without the contact, the, the movement. 
is the movement. You know, yeah. a runner. I was a runner for years and occasionally still run, but running five point two miles, five point three miles a day. I was at one point over seven miles a day. No thanks. And a friend asked me, "Well, why do? Why don't you ever do marathons?" <laughs> nope. Well, that's why I mean swimming. Again, it's you're not really. Yeah. You're moving it, but there's not the pounding. And same thing with cycling. The well, pound, there's no pounding. A on lot it, more trainers now are saying, do. "Listen, walk, walk thirty minutes." You know, don't, you know, forget the extreme stuff. Walk, walk. thirty minutes. And if you're going to do any cardio, walk. But you think that you think, well, as I get older, I need to be working out harder, 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 harder. And it's like, no, no, just the opposite. Right. Work out. Right. But don't have it high impact. Exactly. Yep. And you don't need to work out like you, you don't need to run marathons. No, no. I, I've i never felt yeah. that way. I knew it was going to be, it would be damage on my body. It would never repair. All right. That's uh, it for Old Men Talk. Yes. 866-90-RED-EYE. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, you see the uh, popular vegan eatery, uh, and this is our well. What did you expect? Duh. Um, <laughs> update: hmm. A popular vegan eatery in the San Francisco's Mission District closed its doors this week after more than a decade due to the city's deteriorating conditions. Uh, it talks about the fact that the mission was always to honor the mothers who give so much to serve, care for, and live. In hopes, uh, uh, in in hope for their families, it's been an honor to work on behalf of their generosity and sacrifice all this year. The condition of life in San Francisco has deteriorated and made running a small business nearly impossible. The note continued. Wow. Well, listen, it was anything but. I was thinking on my way in, and and I had read a story about the decriminalization of drugs in Portland. And I thought, well, but it's also the decriminalization of crime in major cities. Think about this. Yeah. Yeah. Where we're not going to prosecute. We're not going to go after them. We're not going to pursue certain things outside of drugs. But when you incorporate the drug usage into it, it always comes with higher crime. Always. It's never not been the case. This idea that, well, no, we'll just, it's, we won't go after them on the drugs and everything will be fine. Well, what do you think is going to happen in cities like Portland? And then when you decriminalize crimes in cities like San Francisco and every other major blue city, this is what's going to happen. The Bonus Show. 
It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I, I saw this story here talking about, and, and I'm so glad the way you put it before, you said not only are they decriminalizing drugs, but they're decriminalizing crime. Yeah. And and I, yeah. that, that's a great point. And you combine that with defund the police, and what do you think you're going to get? Well, this uh, from uh, Washington State, a county sheriff in Washington State is warning smash and grab thieves that the tactics have changed in how deputies will respond to the burglaries, allowing for authorities to be relentless in their efforts to capture them under a new interpretation of the law. Thurston County Sheriff Derek Sanders posted a short video to Facebook this week telling would-be smash and grabbers to get a better plan because their current plan is no longer going to work. If you come to our county and you decide you're going to do tens of thousands of dollars to one of our businesses in damage, you're going to smash that stolen car and you're going to hop in your buddy's stolen car and flee from the scene. We're now going to chase you. We're, we're not pulling over and the state's law is no longer going to protect you. Authorities are not allowed to pursue suspects in burglaries under current state law, which considers the crime a second-degree offense, according to Sanders. But following a spate of smash-and-grab robberies involving stolen vehicles, mm. where they'll go into the store, they'll smash into the store with the car. Yeah, right, yeah. The sheriff said that they are now interpreting crimes that use vehicles to cause damage as burglary with a deadly weapon, a first-degree offense that will allow authorities to pursue the suspects. If you flee, we'll chase you. We'll conduct a pit maneuver, and we'll use a tactical vehicle intervention to pin your car in. Whoa. Something has to give. I can't imagine what it feels like to be in law enforcement in a local area and to have such a uh, have a state law that is so binding that that ties your hands where you can't do anything and now they found a way around it and uh, by the way this isn't a loophole it's if you're using the car as a weapon in the commission of the crime it's been long known. It's been long the case, not even known. But that is the case in law enforcement. If you use that vehicle in the commission of a crime, and now you can deem it a dangerous weapon, because especially if you're using that to damage the property and possibly hurt other individuals, I mean, it's moronic that we don't let police do their job. If you flee, we'll chase you. If you conduct, we'll, we'll conduct a pit maneuver and we'll use a tactical vehicle intervention to pin your car in. If you flee on fur, foot, we'll chase you on foot. Uh, if we lose you in the foot chase, we will send the dogs after you. Hmm. We are going to be relentless in our efforts to capture you. Sanders said that vehicles used to smash into stores will now be treated as deadly weapons under a new interpretation of the state law. I wonder if the state will come and sue them. Well, how how would you not if you've enacted that law? Look at all the political will that it, it took to get it there. And then 
you're just going to let somebody skirt it, I'm guessing the state will try and act, which is ludicrous. But here's the thing. What are we finding out? What are we seeing over and over again? Uh, we talked about what was it? What was the prop? What was the proposition in California that the guy who helped put it into place was saying, "Well, yeah, it didn't work out." Prop seventy or prop ninety-seven? Uh, I forget. I yeah. thought it was seventy or forty, but uh, I forget the number. But anyway, the the actual policy put into place, and the 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 local official who helped make it happen said it's not working. Look in D.C. in March. Don't believe the hype. Everything's fine. A few months later, they're murdering people in the streets. So I don't know if the state will come back and say, no, you can't do that. Okay, this was uh, Bay Area retail thefts prompts. San Mateo County Supervisor David uh, uh, is either Canepaw or Canepaw. I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, uh, he's not going to take it uh, anymore. Hang on here. I'm just going through it, and I'm getting I'm getting pop-ups like crazy. Um, when it comes to cracking down on shoplifting, he said he's open to all solutions. He was considering a retail theft hotline, but he scratched that idea. Now he wants to create a regional task force. We've, yeah. uh, he said we've seen dramatic video, bold, brazen shoplifters snatching hundreds of thousands of dollars across Bay Area stores. It's happening all over the country. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. And the losses are staggering. Uh, let me just see here. He had said he had voted. For, this is the story where he said he voted for it. Mm. Uh, and they don't, I'm, as I'm scanning through it, I don't see the actual the actual name of the of of the bill yeah but if but it's nonetheless those that were again defending the whole defund the police okay i found it it was prop 47 47 okay yeah uh california democrat frustrated by rising theft admits liberal crime bill was a big mistake he said he voted for it it was a big mistake right of course it was going you, to you want to make was. it happen yeah. and and now you're saying how could you not see it at that time how do you not see the end result very clearly uh California Bay Area County Supervisor frustrated by rising retail theft in the area has admitted mm-hmm. that state laws are not working to deter criminals he announced a new proposal to crack down on crime enough is enough all this retail theft all this sort of crime enough is enough we really need to look at state laws. What we have in place right now is not working. We can't go on like this. That's why I still believe that, you know, I don't know if the legislature will react to this. If they'll allow crime to happen, why wouldn't why won't they go for reparations? We were talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But yeah. the Democrat admitted he regretted supporting Prop 47, which voters passed in 2014. Prop 47 downgraded certain thefts and drug possession crimes from a felony to a misdemeanor if the value of the stolen goods was less than 950 bucks. Remember, voters passed this. Voters wanted it. Yeah. Voters want voters in California voted for crime. Yeah, this is by choice. Not just the legislature. The voters 
voted for crime. That's why you and I, when, when we sit back, I mean, we're not being sarcastic. When we sit back and say, well, you know, everything, every major problem that we face today in this country, in the United States, every single one is self-inflicted. The people that we have put in office and the way that we have voted has given us exactly what we voted for yep. across the board. Right. Everything, including crime. California residents voted for crime. Yep. This is by choice over and over and over again. We wondered at the very beginning of it. What are the locals thinking? Uh, remember when everything was going down in Seattle? What are the locals, and they're liberals primarily, what are they thinking? When you carve out a section of the city and give them their own territory. <laughs> for the love of insanity, what are you doing? What did the mayor at the time say about that? It was like it was the summer of love or something? Yeah, yeah. It Called the, it the summer of the love. The summer of love. Summer of love. And crime and death and destruction and chaos. But love is love. <laughs> what the hell are we doing, people? I know. Wake up. He said, I had supported Prop 47, which basically said you wouldn't prosecute the crimes or you wouldn't prosecute. The crimes were much different at the level up to 950 bucks. I thought it was a good idea at the time because I thought we need to give people an opportunity. What, to steal? Right. We need to give people a chance. I made a mistake. It was a big mistake, and you have to acknowledge your mistake. By doing this, what we've done is we're letting people take thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. yeah. So this is from. Wow. This was published in June of 20. Let me see if I got that right. 2020. Seattle mayor walks back summer of love comments. <laughs> From Fox 13 in Seattle. Wow. How did she, I, I, how did I she said, walk it back? Yeah. yeah. She was uh, a nutcase. Uh, Seattle Mayor uh, Jenny uh, Durkin. Yeah, what a nut. Continues to be lambasted for June 11th interview with CNN's Chris Cuomo. Well, I have a lot of questions about that. Just that part of it. Well, brotherly During, love is love. Love is love. During which she s suggested the occupied protest around the city's East Police Precinct could simply be a summer of love. The remark has not aged well. <laughs> they write at fox13seattle.com. In the 10 days since her comments on CNN, the zone referred to as CHOP, acronym for Capitol Hill Occupied Protest, has seen several serious and violent crimes, including an attempted arson, multiple assaults captured on video, and a fatal shooting of a 19-year-old. 
I would have listed that one first. Yeah, probably. The murder should go first. Yeah. Yeah, the, The killing should go first. Silly me. I put life above all else, but, you know, that's just me. Republicans, including the president, of course, this was Trump. Trump. Uh, Well, wait a minute. Uh, And, yeah. Oh, they're okay. So they're quoting a tweet. Yeah. Hey, remember when he was on Twitter? Um, So, yeah, no, this has been the ludicrous behavior of uh, the people who politically allowed this to happen, in fact, made it happen. Wanted it to happen. You voted for this. Thought, yeah, thought it was a positive. The it's going to be the summer of love. Local officials who did exactly that. And then the insane reaction to it. It's simply a summer of love. Tell that to the family of the 19-year-old. Summer of love is love. Yes. And love is love. That's right. And love of the summer. Well, remember the insane the summer attempt that there's nothing going on here. Yeah. <laughs> These are mostly peaceful protests. That was the one with the flames in the background, remember, as they were reporting this. Well, it was mostly... like Baghdad Bob back yeah, in yeah, the day. I know. Nothing's I, I, going on. I remember Jake Taffer in uh, with this before 2020, but this was in, uh, uh, oh, what, Missouri? Yeah, in, in, in uh, Ferguson. In Ferguson, yeah. Yeah. After there had been nights of riots. Can you believe the riot police? They're armed. They're waiting for something to happen as if it would, that was something that was unusual. Right. They actually have guns. These riot police have guns. Armed police. <laughs> yeah, they, they're armed. That's right. That's, and it was this uh, lighting of essentially the alert fire by the media that went on and on and on still goes on today can you imagine these are the things where where you look at the radical things that the left is actually doing and then when the police have guns oh my goodness <laughs> these are armed police 86690 red eye coming up more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara, the Washington Post fact checker. Fact checks Biden. And we'll get to that. All right. Half of homeowners want to move, but feel stuck. Yeah. Coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.
It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Welcome. Thanks so much for being here. He's Eric. I'm Gary. Did I say that already? I don't know. I don't listen to the show. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm mailing it in today. Yeah. You know. See, if we worked a normal job, if we had a lunch break, we would have gone out drinking because, you know, we're going on vacation after the show today. So, Do people still do that, drink at lunch? You start early. No, let me rephrase that. Do people? No, 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 they drink before. That's what I was going to say. Do they wait until lunch to start drinking? I remember half the people that were working from home were drinking half the time or something like I forgot what the what the statistic was. They were drinking all the time and everybody's smoking weed. <laughs> the U.S. Open story on the elite. The elite are actually smoking it. You would think that they'd be doing it in other ways. To love. Love is love. <laughs> Everybody loves weed. And, and that's a higher love. Yes. All right. Economic stuff. We have, uh, what, economic numbers coming out later on uh, today, job numbers. You know, I want to say, I want to repeat what we were talking about yesterday because we didn't get any, we really didn't get into details on it. But, mm. you know, you and I were talking about that. And I think we sort of ended the show with it yesterday because I know it was one of the last topics that we did. And it was where one of the economic advisors for the president was on. And and again, the narrative now is they're admitting the Inflation Reduction Act was not about inflation reduction after they said it was. Remember, remember the lie that Democrats told where now they're, you know, they're they're being honest and saying no. Uh, it wasn't about that. But what it is about, it's about boosting the economy through government investment. Mm-hmm. So. They they are verifying what we said Bidenomics is, which is the government taking your taxpayer dollars, taking those taxpayer dollars and giving them to companies that cannot make a profit on the product that government is forcing them to produce that the American taxpayer and consumer taxpayer consumer slash consumer doesn't want and even if they did can't afford that's bidenomics even now from the mouths they don't say it the same way but they're communicating the same message that's what bidenomics is and they understand that by the way that we judge gdp all they need to do is take your money and spend it and the GDP shows that the economy is moving forward in a better way. And we have we have said this since they changed the way that they did the GDP. What was it? Over 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Right. Where it's more the movement of money. It was and, during the Obama administration. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you and I had said, we said, look, there, you know, we, you, you need to look at things like, because what actually, because that's the question people would ask. The next question is, well, then what boosts an economy? Uh, creating wealth, selling a legitimate product that people want in the marketplace, making a profit on it, 
the expansion of wealth because of the creation of that product and the wealth that that product has and the productivity and efficiency that 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 many of the products gives to other aspects of the economy. For example, a big bulldozer, for example, will have wealth. Because Why does it have wealth? Is it wealth because it exists or because other people will use it to become more productive and efficient in their job? And then in the services industry, uh, for the most part, if you're in the service industry, it's those services which make overall the economy more efficient and productive. I mean, one of the debates right now is, will AI do that? Hmm. By the way, quickly with AI, mm-hmm. did you see the uh, uh, the uh, network? It's a conservative network that John Solomon is at, is on that apparently he had an interview with Donald Trump, and the claim is it wasn't Trump, it was AI. <laughs> and he actually did like a 17-minute interview. He claims it is. But the other claims it is not in the company that he works for, the whatever he's syndicated by on, on the, the, the it's a TV, it's a video network, is doing an investigation on it. And the Trump campaign, Trump put part of the interview, uh, Trump, uh, True Social, on there. And then they've asked the campaign or, you know, the, the, the campaign was at Trump and they have not responded yet because you can solve that one easy. Trump just says, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was an interview. And Solomon says, yes. But they said it was so broken up and the voice, and I have some audio, but I cannot get my, it's part of the audio. I can't get my computer to play. Right. I did listen to a little bit of it. It sounded like it was Trump sped up. Yeah. Yeah. Because his voice was a little bit higher. It was higher, a little bit higher when I heard it. But uh, (laughs) that doesn't make the economy more efficient when you have AI that doesn't, that, that that's used to, uh, fool people <laughs> but right. but that's what really does it and and but they know the democrats understand it doesn't matter to them if it really doesn't help the economy as long as the mirage is that it helps the economy that's why we objected over 10 years ago to the new way of of looking at gdp which is the movement of which the to make it to simplify it is more the movement of money, not the creation of wealth or services in the marketplace that increases productivity and efficiency. And I asked you yesterday, I said, why can't they do two GDPs? Money moving through the private sector and money moving through the, uh, you know, coming down from the government to see what really helps. Because when you, when you take, when the government takes money, your money that you'd be investing or saving or buying something else to help move the economy when they take your money or they borrow money from future generations at a much higher interest rate and create more debt and take that money to produce a product that is only being sold because of the subsidies that are there and still with the subsidies at the at the end process and all throughout the process that's given to the manufacturing portion of it, you still can't make a profit out of it 
and the product itself is less efficient and less productive than what's currently sold on the marketplace, that hurts an economy. It actually does not help an economy. It does the opposite. Well, and, you know, when they started looking at and and changing the GDP to include certain investments or to expand the types of investments that they were going to, you know, include as part of growth, it's one thing if a manufacturer comes in and says, we got this brand new contract. And we're going to be, or we can show the uptick in demand, right? Whatever it might be, that we know that we're going to be making more of these products because the demand is on that pace or that contract states that we're going to have to expand, which means we have to invest. We can, that's pretty simple math. But the problem was is they expanded it too too great, too too far. Well, not every investment is going is about something like that where you can show the trend. I mean, anybody who started any business, especially a small business, you know all too well. Well, you're going out there what you think is the demand. And then you're investing here, but it's not based on, you know, information, data or contracts or anything else. It's Mm -hmm. based on what you can project, what you believe the market demand is going to be. To me, that's very different. Then when you throw in government investment, government doesn't invest. It moves money. It spends money. That's not investment. Investment has a return. Now, you can argue, well, the return is, I can argue, in fact, with the essential roles of government, the investment in the military is key because the preservation of our citizens is the number one role. But that's, that is part of the economy, which is the cost of doing business. Exactly. So you can you can talk about things like that. But spending money, which they often do, and they have been doing this for well over 10 years. Uh, but I think it goes back even further where you get into an election cycle. They'll hold spending back a little bit. And then all of a sudden, boom, we've seen that. We saw the bottom Obama administration with military spending. Right. He would they, do that until September. They would, they would set, say that for the uh, second half of the year, getting mm-hmm. closer to election time. And those were, you know, those are some of the games that are played. Except the market now has priced a lot of that stuff in. But it still shouldn't be part of the GDP. It, if it's going to be part of the GDP, then separate it and say, this is only well, have different reports even. Not analysis. There is analysis that breaks it down. Well, it can be part of a GDP. It's the analysis of what the GDP tells us. Yeah, I guess that's my point. You know, is, for example, that, with dur- if you're talking about the increase in durable goods, mm-hmm. I know that's a specific thing of wealth being created. Yeah. But in terms of government spending being a part right, of right. the GDP. Right. That to me should also should almost be a separate report. I would agree with you, yes. Because people not assume requiring that, right. the analysis 
it's saying, okay, here's this, and then here's the government spending applied to GDP and what that means. And then if you wanted to do an overall third report saying, okay, and here's the total, okay, all right, we can look at it. To me, it's always been an indication of even when it comes to government reporting, it's about BSing the public. Well, no, that's it. Because the headline is, look at the GDP growth. Okay, what's the GDP growth without government spending? Yeah. And if anybody thinks this is a recent opinion of ours, you haven't listened to the show for a long time. Right. You guys right. are just having that opinion because Biden's in office. Nope. Nope. No, we've had nope. this for for years. We've talked about this on the radio. And if you're a longtime listener, you know that. We've talked about Look, it. if it's in if it's in place, everyone is going to every administration is going to use it to their advantage on GDP. That's why it shouldn't be in place. Yeah. And these are the things that, again, of course, then again, we we also care about the national debt. <laughs> we also care about things that fewer and fewer people care about. And I think it's important to understand how government spending actually hurts the economy. Oh, it doesn't yeah. help it. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, oh, it's when a you're drag on the, money and, and when you're down the toilet for green, right. you know, the green jobs thing or green companies, and then they're going out of business, you're just, you're, it's, you're, you know, why not give them a gold, why not give the CEOs of these companies as they're walking out the door and turning out the lights, a golden parachute? I mean, where, you know, where would you draw the line? Well, that, but that's the same, you know, it's, it's, it's a different, a little bit of a different argument, but that's the, what, one of the things I said about the whole Taylor Swift stuff that came out of a couple of weeks ago, how Taylor Swift is helping the economy like it's helping the overall economy. Well, it right. may be helping local economy by pulling a few entertainment dollars in, but she's not creating anything. She's not creating wealth or new efficiencies in businesses, in productivity. Yeah, She's simply entertainment, which is moving entertainment dollars around, which could shift from the suburbs to a city because the concerts in the city and everybody's coming from the suburbs or they're coming from a hundred miles away. And so hotel rooms are being bought. So the local economy is helped, but that's entertainment dollars. It's the same thing that we've said about building stadiums. When you build a stadium, you are not creating wealth that is used to create more productivity, which is what really drives an economy where if you're looking for uh, government assistance in that, that would be not giving out subsidies to profitable, corpora- profitable corporations. It would be taking less money from them in yeah. taxes. Right. Yeah. So and- it's the argument we've always had, and I will continue. Oh, the stadium is great for them. No, it's not. It may, ha- it may help. Well, because you have to look at the source for the, the investment to begin with. And then look at the source of if it's government investment, you have to consider what the source is there. Well, you're taking from profits, and that's how the government is funded. And especially when we talk about these green companies that are going out of business. So you're taking profits over here and giving it, basically shoving it into a hole. It's the opposite of growth. you're, You're taking money that could be used for profitable enterprises and putting it down a hole right. where no profits are being made, you're simply subsidizing something. And and what's worse is what's going on is the government is mandating the product that the consumer should be buying. Right. 
that the consumer doesn't want to buy right. that doesn't increase productivity and efficiency, which is why everybody's you, – you've had people now talking about electric vehicles and say and, – and the production of our electricity by what we're doing by windmills and solar panels and saying this is the first time ever that what is being promoted as an advancement in technology is actually not an advancement but a retreat. Right. And we're subsidizing in order to do that. Economically, it's a contraction. 86690 Red Eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. When driving, you need to manage the space around your vehicle so that there's enough space to allow you to adjust when traffic conditions change. The space ahead of your vehicle is the most important and one of the easiest to monitor and adjust as needed. One rule of thumb is to allow at least one second for each 10 feet of vehicle length at speeds below 40 miles per hour. At greater speeds, add an additional second. It's impossible to keep other drivers from tailgating you, but there are some things you can do to make it safer, such as increasing your following distance, avoiding quick lane changes, and slowing down. There are also several things you should do to ensure that there is plenty of space between the side of your vehicle and other vehicles. Don't hug the center line, avoid hugging the right side of the road, and avoid traveling alongside other vehicles in strong winds, especially crosswinds. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. More economic news. 61% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. We will get to that. And half of homeowners want to move but feel stuck. What were you telling me about Ramaswamy? Well, it just seems like in the, in the conservative media, there's been the toning down of the, you know, the excitement surrounding Ramaswamy. And, and there was yeah. a question that uh, during that interview with, uh, with uh, Sean Hannity the other day about what he said he would do if he were vice president and what would happen in the Senate, he would push something through and it was like, yeah, that's not how it works. And so there are going to be these learning curves. Taiwan, he had a learning curve. Yeah. Taiwan was a big one. Um, And drugs. I I think it, which is an opinion thing on the drugs, but still you got to know when the room is right to have that conversation. And it's not right after you kick off your campaign, you know, on the right. If you were on the left, that would be another thing. And then, of course, there's the whole thing with Eminem. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, I I just, it's, uh, you know, and, and the, look, uh, the one compliment, all right, he espoused a view very clearly on the on the whole transgender thing. That was yeah, it was, that great. was a good yeah. day. That was a good comment. Very good day, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it doesn't seem to have staying power.
listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, you just, I, I wasn't, I, I would have probably gone on vacation, never brought up any of this stuff, but you brought up Ramaswamy, and it was just, just during, uh, as we were coming out of the, it was the last uh, segment, and you were saying, Ram, and I go, what, what's he talking about, Ramaswamy? And basically was like, yeah, he, he had that uh, that back and forth about the transgender movement that everything has gone downhill since. And we went over that uh, sort of stuff. And then you saw a couple of things. Well, Nikki Haley rose a couple of points and we're like, wow, we're becoming obsessed over moving a point or two. Uh, and yeah. And, and, right. and but it's like, you know, just interesting. Where where are all the different campaigns uh, going? This was from Jenna Ellis. I remember she was a Trump attorney and you and I still to this day. Some of the things that she said post there, we said she's setting her up to be part of a lawsuit, which, of course, she was part of. Mm. And you saw that uh, you saw that Giuliani uh, lost his lawsuit. Yeah, right. Yeah. uh, Against the two people that he accused of, you know, doing nefarious criminal things Mm -hmm. to uh, to mess up the election. And they won and he has to pay. And he even admitted you know, in the in the in the final thing, he said, well, there are a lot of files you won't let me use. But he had already admitted in court filings. I was telling falsehoods. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. He already admitted that what he was doing was lying at that particular time. I forgot what it was with Jenna Ellis way back then. This has to be December of 2020. And you and I looked at each other and went, wow, is she that young where she doesn't even understand as a lawyer defamation? Right. And so, as you know, yeah. she's all part right. of the lawsuits complaining last week or the week before. I forgot which exactly what the time frame is on it, that Trump wasn't supporting everybody who supported him mm-hmm. through all the money, he, the campaign money he was getting that he was using for his own legal fees. And you just wanted I was wondering at that point, OK, is she moving away from uh, from from Trump? You know, is that what's uh, happening? And she wrote yesterday on Twitter. Uh, Things that can be true at once. Donald Trump was a great president. Number two, Donald Trump is being unjustly persecuted by evil people manipulating laws. Number three, Trump made major errors that made the swamp worse, not better. Number four, Trump has doubled down on his errors through the present day. Number five, DeSantis has demonstrated a better understanding of the swamp, better judgment than Trump on COVID, Black Lives Matter riots, uh, and... uh, and fiscal matters and has a more conservative record than Trump. Based on all this, DeSantis is clearly the best candidate to nominate to get the wins or better than we had under Trump. This includes justice for Trump and all the victims of weaponized government. Well, she really covered all her bases, didn't she? Yeah, there? Right. <laughs> like, oh, you're covering all your bases. Uh, uh, let me just make sure if there's anything else there. No, that, that was it from uh, her and I just... I just happened to see that. And then I'm looking at uh, the, the Wall Street Journal. Hurricane Ron DeSantis. And I thought about this in when, remember when he put his campaign on hold because of the hurricane? Right. And I went, look, I know he cares. And, and I know this is what he did even before, you know, he was going to run for president. Mm-hmm. You know, that he was somebody that said, you know, the things that he wanted to do with natural disasters. So, but everything is politics. And how he handles things uh, during a hurricane is critical because it will get noticed, as it did last year. 
but it says Hurricane Ron DeSantis. If he can do the executive job, maybe his skill at small talk is immaterial. This is the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal. Ron DeSantis spent Thursday visiting rural Florida counties hit by the hurricane, and during his morning uh, news update, the governor was in command of the details. As of 6 a.m. today, there are approximately 146,000 power outages reported across the state, but thousands of borrowed linemen were at work, and 420,000 accounts had already been restored. Then they go and talking about, you know, the, the night before, and they go through everything that had happened, uh, you know, in the, uh, the, the, the hurricane. Uh, the contrast is with Hurricane Ian last year, which was predicted to hit the Big Bend, but veered into Fort Myers and killed 150 Americans. Mr. DeSantis received high marks for his handling of that disaster, in particular after the State Transportation Department made swift emergency repairs to two bridges. The storm damaged, stranding thousands of residents. Uh, Hurricane Adalia cleanup isn't over, and perhaps there will be hiccups. But if there aren't, we'll know it. Uh, by what we don't read in the national press, the governor will get no credit for his success. This seems to be Mr. DeSantis in his element, examining the figures, the emergency response plans, the COVID-19 statistics, and then synthesizing it into government policy. Everyone knows an introvert like this. And the flip side of the personality type is that Mr. DeSantis, now a 2024 presidential candidate, has proved less adept at making small talk with the people of Iowa. <laughs> There's a reason that at least some Republican voters have preferred to nominate governors who have executive experience over legislators whose basic job description is to spend three hours talking followed by one minute of voting. Uh, use, using the bully pulpit effectively is important for a president, but so is dragging better policy out of a vast federal bureaucracy that views a Republican in the Oval Office as a temporary hostile occupying power. A question to ponder is whether today's soundbite-driven primaries are selecting uh, for the qualities that Republicans and Americans really want in a president. This is one slice of the case for Mr. DeSantis's candidacy. Despite his recent struggles, his competitors might have a better 15-second retort to a 30-second drive-by at a debate, but could they get the bridge open? Ooh. <laughs> Again, that gets to the point of dad, my dad. Do the job. DT, DTJ, do the job. Yeah. And, the, and that, you know, okay, so there it is. And and how do you build a consensus like he has done in the state of Florida? Because in order to do the job on that scale as president, you do have to build a consensus within your party. You have to build a consensus. You have to build that in the court of public opinion, the consensus with your constituents on on a number of items, on most every item. And so those are the things, you know, the whole comment on small talk. It's if you're if you're busy doing the work and you can show, all right, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. When you look back at the Trump years, you look back at the things, that same editorial board, by the way, that you just read from uh, at the Wall Street Journal, uh, wrote Trump and said, or wrote about Trump and said he should be promoting the things he's accomplished, yeah, the things he's got gotten done. We criticized him for that consistently. I mean, if you go on track record alone, 
there's really no comparison. It's just it's right out of a playbook that politically you would hope to be able to achieve that you would promise in a campaign you're going to achieve. And so that's what you try and focus on if you're a Ron DeSantis. Now, the problem, you know, the uphill battle is going to be, yeah, but can you do that right. on a national scale? Then you get to this Daniel Henniger op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal, the stupid party versus the evil party. <laughs> one of the two parties has no intention of losing with one of these two front runners. Guess which one? An overwhelming majority of the public, more than 60%, doesn't want either Joe Biden or Donald Trump to run for president, yet the two major political parties are tumbling towards that unwanted choice. The late Washington economist Herb Stein articulated what came to be known as Stein's Law. If something can't go on forever, it will stop. That's my belief about this election. Biden versus Trump is unthinkable, therefore it won't will not happen. Hmm. Uh-huh. Former Wyoming GOP Senator Alan Simpson, <laughs> a great character in our politics, used to call Republicans the stupid party. But Senator Simpson wasn't done. Democrats, he said, were the evil party. Which would you rather be right now, the stupid party or the evil party? My money says the evil party will find a way out of the Biden-Trump dilemma. Put it this way. The party that nominates someone other than these two will win the decisive votes of independents and the election. The Republicans look locked into the forget the independents choice. I don't think the Democrats are. It's difficult to disagree with the assumption that the multiple prosecutions are ensuring Mr. Trump's nomination. Virtually every event related to the four indictments ratchets up the Republican rage meter another several points for the former president. You knew the Trump the Trump mugshot was worth millions the moment you saw it. So too, U.S. District uh, Judge uh, Chutkin's decision to plop down the Trump trial in Washington on March 4th, hours before the Super Tuesday primary. Her explanation, my primary concern here is for the interests of justice, and I've balanced the defendant's rights. To adequately prepare. Uh-huh. Is what he actually writes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The support for Mr. Trump is overwhelming, an emotional rush and blood feud. But come election time, Democrats won't do emotion. They're bloodless with only eyes on the prize. As Bill Clinton said after the 96 election to Bob Dole, who complained about unfair Clinton attack ads, you got to do what you got to do. This time, Democrats will take the advice of Clinton, who knew how to win. Mr. Trump's capture of the GOP nomination could be secure if their support for him in the polls rises into the strong 60% or 70% range. The polling momentum propelled by anti-prosecution rage could produce early Trump wins in Iowa, New Hampshire, and then South Carolina. Once Democrats conclude the Republican Party has arrived at the point of no return on a Trump candidacy, It will be time for another Clyburn moment. Ahead of the February 2020 Democratic primary in South Carolina, Representative Jim Clyburn, reflecting the Democratic establishment consensus, pulled the plug on then frontrunner Senator Bernie Sanders as unelectable in a general election and endorsed Joe Biden. Mm. It was a fraud on voters that Mr. Biden was a moderate, but Democrats got to do what they got to do to win in 2024. They will pull the plug 
on Joe Biden. Democratic Representative Dean Phillips in Minnesota is already laying the groundwork, saying recently Democrats are telling me that they want not a coronation, they want a competition. As widely reported, 50% of Democrats don't want Mr. Biden to run. The party that wins next year could set the country's direction for a generation. Democrats won't let Mr. Biden's weaknesses put their agenda at risk. I don't know which village elders would go go in to tell Mr. Biden he has to withdraw, but the message to Mr. Biden would be that he has a choice. Be remembered by his party as the most progressive president since FDR or as an unpopular incumbent who lost to Donald Trump and was forced to resign for reasons of incapacity. Unlike the Clyburn endorsement, there won't be a coronation. Democrats can't explicitly throw over Kamala Harris, but they can open the primaries to an array of Democratic governors who would evade responsibility for Mr. Biden's economic policies. And then they go through Newsom, Whitmer, uh, North Carolina's Ray Cooper, uh, Colorado's uh, Polis, Pennsylvania's Shapiro, New Jersey's Phil Murphy, or Illinois' J.B. Pritzker. Democrats don't have to win big. They just have to win. And most of these governors, with the party and its donor base behind them, could pull across the winning margin of independence, desiring desiring a minimally acceptable alternative to voting for Trump. And they would likely win also in 2028. Of course, the opposite is true. Virtually any of the Republican candidates would surely defeat a Joe Biden, unpopular for personal and policy reasons. What is not a mystery is whether the stupid party or the evil party will figure this out first. Mm. Because we said to us, it's not about, I don't care whether it's Trump or DeSantis. I don't don't care who it is on the Republican side. I want the win. Yeah, majority majority of Republicans disagree with me. Mm -hmm. They want Trump no matter whether he wins or loses. Right. And it's right now, you know, everything is, and we don't know, everything is so bad. But what happens in the event on the right? What happens if on the left, Biden steps down? I mean, like between now and the end of the year. Now, I think if they do that, he's going to cite or they're going to cite health reasons. We can have oh, a yeah, discussion yeah, to, yeah. as to whether or not it was getting closer to they were getting closer to the fire on the whole Hunter Biden thing. But it'll be health reasons. And then all of a sudden, Gavin Newsom. And by the way, it's official. Uh, Stephen A. Smith says he would support Gavin Newsom in 2020. <laughs> so it's going to happen. But if that happened, what happens on the right? What do they do then? 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I do think that's why, though, Democrats, if if Biden, if this all falls apart with Biden, uh, yeah. with Hunter and all this stuff, yeah. I don't think they really care. I no. think they'll defend no, him up to a point, do. but if he's out, yeah, I think they're fine with it. Right. The sooner the better, yeah. I think. Right.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.